Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 145 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 145 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was a Halloween edition of Monday Night Raw going down live from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. And I got to say, this was a very good show, a nice rebound episode from last week's mm, show from Charlotte, North Carolina, which I did not feel. And even the week before was a very dry episode of Monday Night Raw as well. But this was a nice go-home show for Crown Jewel. I love how WWE shouted out the fans rocking Halloween costumes of AJ Styles, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, for example. Nice nods to Halloween by shouting out members of the WWE fan base. I thought that was adorable as we kick things off with the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair versus Nikki Cross. And she's crazy Nikki once again, my favorite Nikki, Sanity Nikki from way back when during her days on NXT. This was a good match, but I hate this match because Nikki Cross had to take the L after having her character revamped the week before and she got no mic time during last night's show. Those are two things she needs to get over as a heel on this show once again. And I like how she went after the knee of Bianca Belair as it got caught between the ropes and apron as we go to commercial break. We come back and Bianca Belair somehow gets her heat back by delivering a backbreaker on the bad knee to Nikki Cross. Delivers three vertical suplexes, goes with a moonsault. But Nikki gets her knees up at the last minute before locking in a headlock on Bianca Belair and they eventually spill to the floor. And in doing so, damage control comes out. We got Eo Scott and Dakota Kai on the ring apron. Bailey attacks Bianca Belair by sending her shoulder first into the ring post. But Nikki Cross attacks Bailey, sends her into the barricade, wipes out Dakota and EO as well. And that allows Bianca Belair to fight back and land the KOD on Nikki Cross for the win. After the match is over, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky attack Bianca Belair until the returning Asuka and Alexa Bliss make the save, which sets up a women's tag team championship match involving Alexa Bliss and Asuka teaming up against EO Sky and Dakota Kai, the reigning defending WWE women's tag team champions to wrap up the opening segment of Monday Night Raw. I thought this was a fine way to open the show, but Nikki Cross losing to Bianca Belair was definitely a choice and not a good one. If you're trying to get someone over, you don't have them lose the following week after you have them in the show on top beating everybody's asses basically and she still doesn't like damage control for whatever reason she's an equal opportunity ass kicker and I respect that but I think this week would have been a nice way to build up why she turned back into Nikki Cross I don't need a WWE YouTube digital exclusive I don't need raw talk on Peacock I need Nikki Cross on my screen articulating why she's back to being sanity Nikki Cross why she's no longer a superhero give me that this week then you can do Bianca Belair versus is Nikki next week. That makes way more sense because you have her eat a L and you define her down. You make her less than and she is supposed to be a significant part of the Raw women's division. She still can be, but the booking last night was definitely a choice and it left my head scratching for reasons indeed. Next up was supposed to be a split screen interview involving Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar ahead of their match at Crown Jewel this Saturday on Peacock. Bobby Lashley is in a Sunday best ready for this interview. Brock Lesnar does not appear in the split screen frame but he comes out in front of a very hot Dallas crowd. Cowboy Brock Lesnar's in the building. He shouts out Texas, but he says, you know what? People want to see me fight. They don't want to see me talk in some stupid sit-down interview. So Bobby Lashley, get your ass out here right now. Let's do this thing. Bobby comes out. He takes off his jacket and the fight 
is on. They're brawling. It's great security and various WWE superstars and personnel come out, including Triple H, to break up this fight. And he tells Brock, if you touch him, the match is off. And Brock sprints past Triple H. He goes after Bobby Lashley. There's a pull-apart brawl. And Triple H separates the two men, saying, if you touch each other again, the match is off. And thankfully, they did not come to blows ahead of their match at Crown Jewel this Saturday on Peacock. I loved it. It was short to the point and very physical between two guys that are going to maul each other this Saturday. I will say to Bobby Lashley, please, my dear, take the German suplexes on your back and not your shoulder because you fucked up your shoulder post Warrior Rumble. It was not a good look and you were out of action for a few weeks prior to WrestleMania. Take the bumps on your back safely as possible because Brock is going to tear you up. He's going to suplex you around. And it's going to be gnarly, but take the bumps safely. That's all I ask. It could be a very good match with no championship implications, tying things up for these two this time around. Next up is a very unique matchup involving Mr. Money in the Bank 2022, Austin Theory versus Seth freaking Rollins, the reigning defending U.S. champion. And Seth is dyed his hair blonde halfway, and he looks good. And he is over as a babyface, even though he's supposed to be a heel choices once again at some point wwe has to stop fighting this and let seth be a baby face because he would thrive in that role and the fans are ready to love him they sing his song they pop for his offense when he works as a baby face it's tremendous so they need to go with it it's been three years he survived the fiend he went through the messiah shit and now he's seth freaking rollins he is one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet today for those that know my word for him is otherworldly because he is tremendous when he's on his game and last night i gotta say he and theory had a really good match this was theory's best main monster match to date he and rollins just clicked last night i loved how rollins went for a knee drop with theory draped against the barricade as seth went after the back of theory's neck theory fights back by slamming seth into the announce table before slamming him into the still steps as we go to commercial break we come back and seth makes a fiery babyface comeback even though he's a heel by delivering three topes through the ropes to theory on the outside followed by a falcon arrow a flying knee strike and a thrust kick for two theory rocks seth with the right hand and lands that hiroshigoshi net breaker on seth for two then they trade near falls back and forth which was just seamless and clean and dramatic then we get the spot where theory is going to go for a blockbuster for two they trade counters until theory lands a forearm strike theory goes for a pedigree which Seth tried earlier in this match, but Seth counters and hits the curb stomp for the win over Theory. A really good match, and Rollins was over with this crowd. And it should be noted that Rollins and Mustafa Ali had no physical contact during last night's show. It might be a pivot. They might wait until after Crown Jewel, but I feel like right now, if you pit Ali versus Rollins on paper, it'd be a great match, but the fan reaction will be about 90-10 in favor of Seth Rollins because he's so over right now as a babyface, even though he's a heel and he's got a decision to make. Stop playing to the crowd or embrace it. Pivot. Do what you got to do because right now he has what it takes to be a top-tier babyface on Monday Night Raw with so many stories to tell heading into WrestleMania season if a certain American Nightmare comes back to crash the party between now and then. That might be why they want to keep him as a heel, but he's got to stop playing to the crowd because if he keeps doing it, you're going to aid this babyface turn indirectly when you're not supposed to. It's going to be very MJF and AEW, like make up your mind. Either you want this or you don't. Stop teasing the fan base. Just saying. 
Next up is the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns alongside his special counsel, the wise man himself, Paul Heyman, as they promote Reigns versus Logan Paul this Saturday for the Universal Championship at Crown Jewel on Peacock. And I love the fact that the fans chant Usi at Rome and he smiles and he plays it off saying, well, you know what? Sammy and Jay are working on being more Usi and they'll be back soon because they're overseas right now on a European tour and they were not with Roman last night in Dallas. And he goes into his match against Logan Paul for the Undisputed Universal Championship at Crown Jewel, basically discounting this guy's chances because he's had two matches in WWE, both against The Miz and teaming with The Miz at WrestleMania and SummerSlam respectively, but he's not on my level. I fought greater men, smashed greater men over this guy who's had two matches in WWE, but Paul can hype him up. So Paul Heyman tries to talk up Logan Paul, talks about some screws in his hands that gives him the power to knock out people on a whim. That will not happen against Tribal Chief at Crown Jewel, which leads to The Miz coming out. And Roman lips The Miz. What the fuck does he want? (laughs) And we all think the same thing. So Miz, who got knocked out by Logan Paul, as some of Slam can attest that this guy does have one lucky strike. He can hit you at any moment. I've been there, done that, but I can lend my expertise and services to you if you help me with my Dexter Loomis problem. Roman somewhat mows over the offer, but of course he does not take it as he lays out the Miz with a Superman punch. He says that's what Logan Paul's got to worry about this Saturday. And at the end of the night, he will acknowledge me. Roman walks away. He grabs the camera and says, this is my show. This is my camera. I'm tired of being humble. This is mine. All of it. And I love that swagger. He did a little Moxley shoulder thing too, which I laughed at. But all in all, a good segment. Roman's the best at being a guy that changes the vibe in the room with his presence alone. The Miz was all right getting knocked out. And this was a nice find a hard sell for Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. I'm very surprised by the lack of face-to-face interaction or physical contact between the two prior to their matchup, but they're saving the goodies for Saturday. And I truly believe this could be a match that exceeds every expectations. If Logan Paul can deliver a four-star match against The Miz and it takes two to tango, Roman could pull out like four stars and a quarter, four and a half, maybe four and three quarters. We don't know. But I expect this match to be very good for the richest prize in WWE, the Undisputed Universal Championship. Next up is Carl Anderson from the OC versus Damian Priest from the Judgment Day. A solid matchup with plenty of Judgment Day interference down the stretch. As Carl Anderson lands a spine buster on Priest for a near fall, Rhea Ripley tries to get involved. We got Luke Gallows delivering a clothesline to Dominic. He wipes him out for a bit, but in doing so, that allows Damian Priest to land a flatliner on Carl Anderson for a near fall. Goes for the reckoning, but Carl rolls up Damian Priest for the win. He gets jumped immediately by Judgment Day. AJ Styles tries to fight back, but Rhea Ripley delivers a low blow to Luke Gallows once again and then the beatdown is on as Finn Balor delivers a coup de gras to Carl Anderson and Dominic Mysterio lands a frog splash on AJ Styles and the OC still has a rear Ripley problem heading into their six-man tag team match this Saturday at Crown Jewel who will be the equalizer to take out Rhea Ripley that's the question my money still stands on Piper Nevin. We'll see, but that'd be my go-to choice. Considering how they booked Nikki Cross last night, I would have had her align with the OC against Rhea Ripley and Judgment Day. Rhea and Nikki have a history dating back to their time as a tag team last year. They were former women's tag team champions. There is something there they can tap into. Crazy Nikki going against Rhea Ripley, that's something to really bank on heading into the end of the year. And 
trying to avoid Nikki eating a loss to Bianca Belair for reasons I still don't fully understand, but I digress on all of that because the booking didn't book last night. Next up is JBL and Baron Corbin talking. I didn't care. JBL said snowflakes and I didn't give a fuck anymore. I don't care about this partnership. They have no chemistry and I miss broke ass Corbin. R-Truth was the only light coming out for this segment. But he got jumped from behind by JBL, which led to the end of days by Baron Corbin. Yay for him. Can Corbin lose his money and be broke? I beg of thee. That was when he was at his best in terms of a character that could have gotten over as a babyface by earning the respect of the crowd by working his way from the bottom to get back to the top to be rich again but humble about it and being over for a change versus whatever this is because he's still doa as a character at the present moment next up is a trick of street fight involving matt riddle and otis and i adore this match for several reasons because for one night only i got the otis i know and love i got my big belly back he gave me Chris Farley from Chippendales and SNL. Chad Gable was Patrick Swayze and I loved it. It was a beautiful tribute that popped me. Riddle lands a floating bro on Otis on the outside. We got candy cane, kendo sticks. We got pumpkins in the ring. Very Halloween-y, of course, for the holiday. Then at one point, Riddle is going to get dropped with the world's strongest slam by Otis because Elias is going to deliver a knee strike that sends Chad Gable through a table and... Otis goes for a Veda bomb, he misses, and Elias is going to help Riddle by placing a pumpkin on Otis's head, and Riddle lands a very imperfect RKO while Otis wears a pumpkin. The pumpkin got the bump a bit more than Otis as Riddle wins. It's a fun, campy match, but my heart swelled when Otis, for one and only, brought back the caterpillar. The worm into the caterpillar was so great. And he shook his belly. I love Otis. For those that know, I fawned over Mandy Rose and Otis's love story on SmackDown over a Christmas ham. And I love that Otis. Otis here and now with Chad Gable's great, but I miss this Otis who's brimming with charisma and personality. And he was living it up last night on Halloween. And for that, I had a good time. Next up is Mustafa Ali versus The Miz. And the match is okay. The crowd at this point starts to take a little downward turn in terms of energy, but the match is fine. One of Miz's better matches as of late because he's been a hot-ass mess. It has not been good for him, but he was fine in this match as Ali delivers a couple of neck breakers to Miz for a near fall. Miz comes through with a DDT on Ali for a close two count as well. At one point, The Miz going to send Ali face first into the middle turnbuckle, and he's going to sell him over the announce table as Ali takes a bump but Miz's arch nemesis Dexter Loomis appears tries to choke out the Miz Miz runs for his life Loomis hops over the barricade the security goes after him through the crowd and the distraction allows Ali to land a super kick and the 450 splash on the Miz to pick up the win nice victory for Ali as I mentioned earlier the direction could be Ali versus Rollins for the U.S. championship but my concern is Rollins is embracing the babyface way of life even though he's supposed to be a heel that's got to change it's going to be an uphill battle for Ali if he goes head to head with a guy that's going to be more over than him at the end of the day then we get comedy gold courtesy of Johnny Gargano now last week I kind of read my dude because he wasn't very funny to me it was forced comedy by WWE creative this week though was smart WWE comedy as we got WWE investigates a 60 minute spoof hosted by Byron Saxton news magazine a ticking clock all a part of the graphics which I loved and it was about Gargano's take on why the Miz 
is being stalked by Dexter Loomis. And Gargano's got all the tea because back in the day, it was the way, pun intended. It was Johnny, Candace, Indy, Dexter, Austin, a big, happy, eclectic family. Then one day, Loomis was released by WWE. It was a sad day. And we get these reenactments all performed by Johnny Wrestling, blurred images of him as Dexter, as Indy, and eventually as The Miz, as The Miz hired Dexter to be his stalker, a guy that would give him notoriety and press in WWE, and he did so. And the first few attacks, Loomis just stared at The Miz. He did not attack him directly until he did. And they tried to sell it for effect. And then Byron Axwell explained the steel cage match and Gagano's like, well, he wasn't going to beat Lashley. So he had to put on a show for more sympathy as a way to cover for himself. And then Miz did not pay Loomis for his performances as a faux Hollywood stalker. And that's when Dexter upped the ante by really stalking and choking out the Miz on TV. And this is where we are today regarding this big secret the Miz has been harboring about his true relationship with Dexter Loomis. I thought this was fucking hilarious. This is how you use Johnny Wrestling in settings like this that are spoofy and comedic and high level comedy by WWE. Not this slapstick, let me put on a cowboy hat, shit. That was a bridge too far. The best use of Johnny Gagano is this. When he can be smart and he can be witty and he can perform all of these parts via the 60 minute parody via WWE investigates. I loved this. And the crowd applauded when it was done because it was smart comedy by WWE. This is sports entertainment at its best. Keep Johnny in this lane, but preferably I want this guy whooping ass in the ring. But at the same time, you do need a level of charisma in order to connect with the people. He did so last night much better than whatever the hell we got the last couple of weeks on Monday Night Raw because whistleblower Johnny was not it. This was much improved. And now it is time for our main event featuring EO Sky and Dakota Kai versus... Asuka and Alexa Bliss for the women's tag team titles. I thought this was a good match, but for the second week in a row, the crowd was dry forward until the finish. Choices. I just think that there is an issue with damage control. I love Bailey. I love Dakota Kai and I love Eosky individually. Collectively, they're still a bit cold as a unit. I don't know what it is. And I'm not trying to wave the right flag because look at Judgment Day. It took a few workshops and Edge leaving and Finn Balor sliding in that thing for them to really pop as a group. And they've only gotten better with Dominic as a part of this crew now. I cannot say damage control is damaged goods, but they've got to work on some things. But the key issue right now is the booking. And it goes back to a faithful night in Pittsburgh a month or so ago when they should have won the tag team titles outright against Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez. And they did not. Then they won them two weeks later. They missed a moment. And then they lose last night to Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And I think this feud is kind of ice cold for me at the moment because we've been there, done that the last two or so months. But the match was fine. It was good. Both teams had their moments as... Eo Sky went after the knee of Asuka with the dragon screw as we go to commercial break. We come back and Asuka fights off her opponents and makes a hot attack to Bliss who lands. If there's press strikes, a drop kick, and a code red on Dakota Kai. Asuka tries to lock in an arm bar on Dakota as well until Eo Sky breaks things up by delivering a backbreaker to Alexa Bliss at one point. Dakota Kai goes after Asuka's bad knee once again before Eo Sky lands a running double knee strike and a springboard drop kick for a near fall. Sky comes off the top rope, but Asuka is going to land a code breaker in a great 
counter before cinching in the Oscar lock on EO Sky. Bailey distracts the referee, so we cannot credit Oscar for tapping out EO Sky. Bianca Belair goes after Bailey, and they fight on this platform, and you see a production table not that far away. Somebody's going through the table, and it was Bailey delivering a Bailey to Belly to Bianca Belair through the table. They're both down and out. The fans chant, Holy shit. For whatever reason, bad words are bleeped on cable these days on USA Network. I don't know why. You air Chucky every Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and this fucker curses all the goddamn time. Can't we say holy shit during a wrestling show? Where are we as a culture? But I digress on all of that. This really comes down to the two tag teams in the ring as Bianca Belair and Bailey are wiped out through the table. Eventually, we get the teams trading spots to Asuka Dodges, Sky's Moonsault. We have Dakota Kai and Asuka delivering kicks to each other, Scorpion kick and a super kick. They are loopy for a bit until... Asuka kicks Eosky in the head and Alexa Bliss goes up top and lands Twisted Bliss to pin Eosky to become the new women's tag team champions. A surprise title switch. We got Alexa Bliss very emotional at this win. Asuka's happy as well. They celebrate with fireworks going off to wrap up Monday Night Raw at the top of the hour. Okay, that was a finish. I'm not saying it's a bad choice, but Damage Control needs all the help they can get right now because I don't think Bayley's winning the Raw Women's Championship at Crown Jewel against Bianca Belair in a last woman standing match. Anytime the heel stands tall, days before PLE, the champ's retaining somehow, some way. You can almost bank on it. After this, where do we go from here? Survivor Series? Then you're really running things into the ground. And the key is for viable tag teams that are over going after the champions and the championships. There's got to be a switch sometime soon and this is wholesale for both divisions on raw and smackdown you've got to build people up you've got to build teams up it's got to make sense i'm not giving up on damage control but as it stands something's off is it chemistry perhaps the booking has not helped but there's something amiss here bailey had one great promo maybe two since her return I don't know if it's a crowd thing when she was better playing to no one at a Thunderdome. I do not know. I know how good Dakota Kai and Eo Sky are. I've seen it on NXT. They've had great matches on NXT. It just hasn't clicked on the main roster yet. And the testimonial I have to give is the New Day, 2014. They were DOA by WrestleMania 31 in Santa Clara. They got New Day sucks chance. But you know what happened? They went in the lab, they recalibrated, turned heel, and look where they are now. One of the greatest factions in WWE history, Judgment Day. We got purple lighting and shit. Damien was a vampire at one point during a match. Made no fucking sense. Edge was doing the most. It wasn't great. But then you know what happened? He realized, "Mm mm-mm, the same for me. He leaves, Finn Balor slides in, this group gets better. Rhea Ripley stands out. Dominic is getting over as a heel. So if you workshop hard enough, things will get better. I pray that's the case for damage control. It takes a while for things to click. It could take a month, two, three, six months for them to really find their footing. And the booking has got to go hand in hand with that as well. It's been a choice as of late, and it's not a good one. And I hope they figure things out heading towards Survivor Series because if they try War Games match with this crew against Bianca's people, I don't know. 
in terms of heat. But we'll see how it all plays out in due time. And with that, this wraps up a good Monday Night Raw, much better than the last couple of weeks, which were very so-so. Nice hard sell for Crown Jewel going down this Saturday at high noon on Peacock. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll see how SmackDown fares on Big Fox because the World Series got pushed back a day due to a rain delay last night in Philadelphia. So it's going to be some tough competition for NXT and AEW Tuesday and Wednesday, you got MLB and the NBA going head-to-head with hockey mixed in. Don't count the ratings. It'll be all right post-World Series, but it's rough. And we'll see how Monday Night Raw fares against no World Series in a very weak Monday Night Football matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns beat down the Bengals in primetime. A very ugly matchup, but it could help Monday Night Raw on the ratings come Tuesday afternoon. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 145 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming these podcast shows that drop on the semi recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown back on Fox, and AEW Rampage live on TNT. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 92 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.